Blog Talk Radio. Hello, this is Dr. Ron from Dr. Ron Unfiltered, Uncensored, here on Blog Talk Radio. We are here each and every Tuesday at 4 p.m. bringing you the latest medical commentary. We will bring you very interesting guests. We can be reached at 347-989-8899 or, of course, on the Internet at blogtalkradio.com. I thank you for making this the number one listen to medical program here in South Florida. And we will get on with the show very shortly. Thank you. Ladies and gentlemen, welcome to Dr. Ron Unfiltered Uncensored. Sorry about that audio in the beginning there. I got a little distracted, but uh, welcome. Uh, today we have a great guest. But before before we get to more, Mr. Mark Blasting, we have a few things we have to cover. Number one, if you're listening on the Internet and want to ha- ask Mark a question, I will open up a chat room and you can uh, leave your questions there if you uh, want to if you have a problem with your computer and you want to call in and listen to the show the phone number is 347-989-8899 and remember we do have we are we are now on Facebook uh, Dr. Ron unfiltered uncensored be nice if you could uh, drop us a like there and uh, as you might know, if you're a long-time listener, and I do thank you, and I do have an attitude of gratitude for all of your, all of our listeners. All our shows are archived, and uh, you can always go back to Block Talk Radio, uh, put in Dr. Ron, and listen to any of the, the over 100, over 170 shows that are on <coughs> tape. So, ladies and gentlemen, I have, let's get the uh, lawyer thing uh, out of the way real quick. Let's keep the attorneys happy. This program contains general medical information. The medical information heard on this program is not advice and should not be treated as such. The information is not intended or implied to be a substitute for professional medical advice, diagnosis, or treatment. You should never delay seeking medical advice, disregard medical advice, or discontinue medical treatment because of information heard on this program. You are encouraged to confirm any information obtained on this program with other sources and review all information regarding any medical condition or treatment with your physician. Uh, that is for the benefit of our of our attorneys, ladies and gentlemen. Well, as the, our longtime listeners know, we have two uh, co-hosts on this show. Uh, uh, one is the, Dr. Jerry, uh, who was kind enough to get uh, Mark Blastine as a guest today, and Dr. Dan. So let's say hello to Dr. Jerry. Uh, one second. Well, hi, Dr. Jerry, good afternoon. Good afternoon to you, too. Is it raining down there? It is just a beautiful day in the neighborhood. It's beautiful. It's uh, 84 degrees and low humidity. Oh, my God. And, I'm going to go uh, and take severe picked depression. Up new car a couple hours ago <laughs> with the top open. It's just gorgeous. <laughs> <laughs> We're getting tons of rain up here. But anyway, life is still good. Man. It makes no difference if it's 31 inches of snow or, you know, 10 inches of rain. Who cares? Yeah. Yeah, we're always in 72-degree weather one way or another. All right, let's say hello, see if Dr. Dan has joined us, and then we'll we'll introduce our guest. Dr. Dan, is that you, sir? Good afternoon, Dr. Ron. Dr. Jerry, how you doing? Yeah, we're doing great. So you're enjoying that gorgeous Philadelphia weather, huh? Absolutely. It keeps the little old ladies off. Last night. Yeah, well, it keeps the little old ladies off the highway when it rains. 
Weather is gorgeous down here. It's convertible weather, right, Ron? Yeah, this is the time of the year that, that just doesn't rain and it's it's gorgeous every day. Just put a hat on so you don't get skin cancer. That's all. Okay. <laughs> hey, ladies and gentlemen, uh, through the uh, efforts of Dr. Jerry Smith, we have uh, a, a guest today who's an expert in diabetes. His name is Mark Blastein. Uh, he uh, has been drawing on his experience as a person with type one diabetes. And as you know, that's the uh, juvenile kind, the kind you're born with, uh, since September 1st of 1960. He has dedicated over 30 years to improving the lives of people with diabetes and other ongoing medical conditions. He has taught at many leading hospitals across the country on how to, quote, win with diabetes, unquote, and has counseled and coached tens of thousands of people in the can-dos of diabetes in the early 90s, he was a part. He, uh, uh, the 90s, with a partner, he was one of the first to pioneer the concept of a specialized mail-order pharmacy dedicated to people with diabetes. And uh, Mark doesn't know, but I was also part of a company called uh, Diagnostic, which, which was one of the first mail-order pharmacies out of Albuquerque, New Mexico. Be that as it may, in March of 1996, Mark pioneered marketing and sales of the insulin pump and has helped thousands of people understand the importance and the benefits of pump therapy. Mark has personally worn an insulin pump since 1996. He has served as a consultant to a number of companies in the medical diabetes field, specializing in spearheading new products and new business developments. He has spent the last 30 years creating a vast network of relationships in diabetes, medical and business communities, including the positions on boards of many nonprofit diabetic organizations. In addition, Mark is a former president of the Philadelphia chapter of the Juvenile Diabetes Research Foundation, a really important foundation, ladies and gentlemen. They do a lot of good work. And a former president of the BreastCancer.org organization for, the, for cancer prevention and education. If I read the rest of uh, Mark's bio, we would be here till after uh, 5 o'clock. So <laughs> with that, I'm going to welcome uh, Mark Blastine to the program, and, uh, and I'll let Jerry Smith have a few words. Mark, welcome to Dr. Ron Unfiltered, Uncensored, and thank you so much for taking your time to be here uh, today. Dr. Ron, it's a pleasure. Thank you very much. I'm, I'm flattered, and uh, it's great to be on with you, Dr. Dan and, and uh, Dr. Smith. I've known Dr. Smith for 25 years, and he's a great friend of mine, and uh, it's just wonderful to spread the word and to help people smile and laugh and live with diabetes successfully the way I've done for over 56 years. Thank you again. Well, yeah, just to, to start the ball rolling, I know Mark's a good personal friend of mine and uh, high integrity and uh, just a, a wonderful human being. And I remember years ago we, we, you were telling me your whole saga that you say, you know, when he went to the doctor, they say, you know, you can't do this, you can't do that. Fill in the people a little bit about, you know, some of the mishigas or craziness that you've done oh. with diabetes. Well, it, 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 it really is insane. Right now, there are over 1.9 million new cases of diabetes diagnosed on a yearly basis, 85% that are type 2, 15% that are type, type 1. There are over 28 million people in this country with diabetes. There are over 75 million people with pre-diabetic conditions. That's an epidemic, if you can call it one. Here's the big problem. Most people with diabetes don't have the training that I have. That's why I do what I do. 
They go to a, a family physician, which in their family physician's defense doesn't have more than 10 minutes to spend with them to tell them, don't eat this, don't eat that, <clears throat> take your medicine, and I'll see you in six months. That person with diabetes walks out of the office with their head spinning. They have no idea what to do. Then they have high blood sugars, low blood sugars, and they eventually wind up with complications. The system is topsy-turvy. Instead of dealing with the psychosocial issues and the support that is needed to keep people healthy, they push some pills they, and, and then tell the person to see them in six months. It's unbelievable. And, I, and it, as again, in defense of the doctors, they don't have the time. They just don't have the time. And that's why there's so many people with, with diabetes complications. You take the people out there with diabetes, I go in the bed, half have pre-diabetic complications or complications now. It's disgusting. But it's also disgusting. the mental attitude is really important. And I know you're, you're such a positive guy. And, you know, when the doctors told you not to do Taekwondo or whatever, you basically said, hey, I'm not going to stop living. So why don't you just tell people that it's not a death sentence, you're not confined to a wheelchair, but you can live. When I was diagnosed in 1960, I was a 10-year-old kid. I, I said to the doctor, and he was a great doctor. He's not around anymore. He was at Children's Hospital in Philadelphia. I said, Doc, no more cake, candy, and ice cream? He goes, no, we'll limit it. Well, that was a reprieve for me. Then I said, Doc, I'd like to do sports. So he said, do sports. Uh, and I was told by my second doctor and my second doctor in diabetes I couldn't do this and I couldn't do that because they were afraid I was going to get hurt. Well, I ran track. I played basketball. I played ice hockey. I rappelled down cliffs. I did Taekwondo, which I haven't done in five, six years now. I'm going back. I just had a double knee replacement. And I took the can-do, the can-do's of diabetes and turned them into the can-do's of diabetes. There's no limitations you have within reason that you should put on yourself. You're the same person you were before, just a little bit more careful to check your blood sugars and make sure things are right. And I don't believe that you can't do something. Let's find a way. Right, and the other thing that you said, the, which is a little bit of shocking, you know, you go into the doctor and he says, oh, you have a little bit of sugar. And, and uh, basically, what, I mean, isn't that crazy? I, 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 I taught in 1996. I taught about 3,000 internists at a big conference. And they said to me, well, a lot of my patients have, one guy uh, raised his hand, an MD, said, I tell my patients they have a little bit of sugar when their A1C is high. I said, doctor, that's like saying somebody is a little bit pregnant. I said, it doesn't work that way. Either they are or they aren't. And even today, there's a lot of doctors that tell patients they have a little bit of sugar. So when they come to me through an other MD, other endocrinologist, I said, no, it can't be. Can you, if you can be a little bit pregnant, I'll buy that. I'll buy that line. You can't have a little bit of sugar. Yeah, well, Mark, let me just – Do you, you have a website, right? No, I do not. Okay. Are you going to be putting one up in the near future? Yes, Okay, it would be really important because we can, you know, put this out when it's up and ready because you have such a wealth of knowledge that is, is, you're street smart. You know, you can have all the Ph.D. degrees, all the whatever research, but you lived it. And see, the information oh that you have to share to get on the website to educate these people is going to be invaluable. So, please, when you do get it done, let me know. Dr. Ron will put it up so people can really get, you know, the straight information now. Right. The key in the whole equation is, um, you know, handling what's going on. Like most people say, how can you avoid or prevent? Well, in my clinical experience, I've seen seven-year-olds get MMR vaccine, and within 24 hours, they got type 1 diabetes. Do, do you have any input on this with viruses well, or any other pre, I, preconditions? My, supposedly, 
when I let me get back to something else about the website. Uh, my story that I, I wrote in two books last year. One of my stories will be will be ver, uh, will be verbally up on Facebook within the next uh, 30 days, and that'll tell my whole story. It's a half hour. It's a half hour program kind of a thing. I will let you know when that's up there. Great. Uh, sec- okay, secondly. Well- when I was diagnosed in, se- in September 1960, the summer before, I came down with something in June called the croup, and uh, that was what is today called the flu. I was sick for two and a half months, and I never got better. And I, I kept running to the bathroom. I was sleeping all the time. I just all the typical symptoms of type one diabetes. The doctors didn't say it then, but they say it now that that probably sparked the autoimmune response to my own cells attacking my pancreas and getting type 1 diabetes. So, so Dr. Smith, you're absolutely right. That can happen. Well, you know, my experience with so-called autoimmune uh, situations where there's something there for the body to attack, this business like we don't know what's going on, to me is Neanderthal mentality. There's got to be something in the organ, in the cells, for the body to attack it. I mean, my own daughter had Hashimoto's and she had Epstein-Barr virus trapped in her thyroid and other patients that I've treated that had either nickel or other heavy metals or pesticides. But see, traditional medicine, they're not looking for these things because it's not in their vocabulary. And, and you had tremendous experience. And in fact, you've gotten up at conferences and said that, you know, I've gone a period where my body started produce my own insulin. The doctor Correct. said it's impossible. Correct. So can you give that a little bit of background on that? that that's, that's a funny story. Uh, in 1996, when I was vice president of Juvenile Diabetes Research Foundation, I was invited to an international research conference because of my knowledge and the things that I did on radio and TV. And uh, there was a physician there that was the director of research. And when he asked for questions, I said, doctor, and I won't mention his name. I didn't care for the guy. I said, doctor, why is it that maybe once every couple of years I have to turn my insulin pump off and I have it off almost an entire day? And I measure my blood sugars and my blood sugars are normal. That with my insulin pump off with short-acting insulin in it, I should have a blood sugar of 1,000. Well, he couldn't answer the question. And since that happened, it's been proven that when our autoimmune disease kills the pancreatic cells, some go into hiding. Well, obviously, some have gone into hiding in mind. Occasionally, they wake up and say, uh-oh, I'm back. I'm also one of the Joslin medalists. There's a, around 4,000 of us in the world that have diabetes over 50 years that are on the international study studying this, where we still have C-peptide levels or some insulin-producing cells that occasionally, once every two years, one year, three years, whatever it may be, wake up and produce some insulin for a period of a half a day, a day, or, or whatever. So that is happening, and the doctor... I didn't want to believe it, but in time he learned to believe it. Well, yeah, the other point, too, that's really exciting is the body in its infinite wisdom has the ability to repair the DNA uh, when activated. And, and I also think, you know, we just have to set the stage for it. But there's another important component here is that drugs, chemicals, heavy metals, I believe can attach to the insulin molecule or the receptor sites so that the body doesn't recognize the insulin molecule and therefore rejects it. What's your opinion on that? Well, I believe most Americans take too many drugs. I, for having diabetes 56 years, I have kidney involvement because of my diabetes as a complication. I still have kidneys 31 years later after diagnosis. It's unheard of. 
I have kidney function of probably 30-40%. They still probably live the rest of my life with my kidneys because I do integrative alternative medicine for many years. I don't drive a ton of pills down my throat. I take three different meds that are all related to my blood pressure to keep my kidney blood pressure down, and I don't worry. That's another key to it. I keep my, and also, I keep my blood sugars in great shape. I have an A1C of 6.3, and for those that don't know, that's pretty good blood sugar. That's pretty good A1C. Normal's in the fives. I've been in the fives, but it's too low for me. I get hyperglycemia. But I believe too many drugs can bog up the system, as Dr. Smith says. And I've seen it where I say to people, go back to your doctor. You're taking two of the same things from two different doctors. There has to be a contraindication and a side effect somewhere. And a lot of people, I would say half this country or most of this country is too, too drugged up, way too drugged up. So just from a, a practical perspective, what type of wisdom could you share with our audience uh, regarding some dietary uh, restrictions for a type 1 diabetic? Well, there's not really dietary restrictions. I, when I, do I take care of myself pretty well? Yeah. Do I eat the wrong things sometimes? Yes, but I give insulin to cover it. The, the, a, a diabetes diet is nothing more than a heart-healthy diet. Cut down on refined sugars. Cut down on white flour products. Eat more fruits, vegetables, and protein. That's all it is. It's not rocket science. And uh, I just came out of, the, out of, uh, of a double knee replacement. I was in the hospital for 17 days. Ugh, it was rough, but I did it. And uh, I kept my blood sugars near perfect. They couldn't believe it. And I kept, you know, doing the right things. Well, I'm healing great. I'm going back to Taekwondo again in January of a secondary black belt. I'm going back in January because I have my, I have my legs back. And that would have happened would have happened if I would have junked up on on candies, cakes, ice creams, white flour products, pastas, and I didn't do that. I didn't do well, that. That's everything and, that they serve you in the hospital, right? <laughs> oh, I, I had my wife bring stuff. <laughs> I couldn't stand it. It was terrible. That was like that was like bamboo shoots up my fingernails. <laughs> <laughs> and so Mark, so Mark, you know, you know, I just, uh, just, just let me, just uh, this, is Dr. Ron, just let me interject. Yeah. There, there was an article in the Journal of the American Board of Family Practice in the past couple of months, and to your point, the the uh, the article showed that only half of family doctors are following the guidelines to screen patients for prediabetes. And they, they came up with that 86 million people have prediabetes now, and only the docs are not screening for them. And when they do screen for them, as you said, they don't have enough time, so they put them on a drug rather they than don't tell, them, tell them about they a low-carb diet and exercise. Yep. Yeah, the doctors right can't keep the practice. Doctors cannot afford to keep their practices open if they're too overwhelmed with people with diabetes. We with diabetes yep. demand more attention. And the family doctors, I'm, I'm sure a family doctor practice or an internist practice has 30 to 40% of their patients with pre-diabetes or diabetes. If they, did, if they took the time to do what's needed to be done, they would close their doors in a year. And it's in their defense, they can't do it. It's not, the system set up topsy-turvy. So, Mark, so what organizations could you recommend that people contact to get some you know, guidance? Well, there's a number of organizations. If you have a child with diabetes, I had done a lot of work with this organization before they started and since they got started. They're a wonderful group of people. It's the largest child's organization in the world for diabetes, started by parents of type 1s. Uh, it's been out there for probably 20 years. It's called Children with, childrenwithdiabetes.com. They run a conference every July. Uh, I used to go there and teach and speak and do Taekwondo presentations, and they're just 
They're, I'm going to go back in maybe this summer. They're just a wonderful group. The Juvenile Diabetes Research Foundation, always good information. Uh, the American Diabetes Association, always good information. And there's another organization out there, an MD with type 1 diabetes, his name is Dr. Stephen Edelman. I haven't seen Stephen in a number of years. He started, he's a, about He's about 55 years old with diabetes 50 years, and uh, he started an organization 15, 20 years ago called T, T as in Tom, C-O-Y-D.com. Everyone's conferences to bring thousands of people, and he's, it's just taking control of your diabetes. He's an amazing, wonderful, wonderful, wonderful guy. And uh, I, I find these organizations do quite a job. And there's more organizations out there that are smaller organizations that really hit the nail on the head. But um, those organizations are really good. And also, like, you're a coach. You coach uh, diabetics. Yes. And so yes. basically, uh, do you do, uh, you know, uh, consultations over the phone with people? Yes, I do. And I do not charge for what I do. I uh, decided a, a while, quite a while back not to charge because it's a God-given gift. And I tell people, I tell, actually, I tell people, here's my charge. It's a hug and a cup of Wawa coffee. In fact, I have, a, I have two clients on Thursday night. They're really tough cases. And I sit there and I teach people how to smile and laugh living with their diabetes, and I give them back to the doctor. As one doctor says, an endocrinologist, he sends patients to me that can pull them out of the mud. I'm like a tow truck because I've learned how to smile and laugh living with diabetes. In fact, I'll tell you a funny story. I was doing a, a speaking presentation for the American Diabetes Association about five years ago. About a thousand people in the audience, and I did my my my, my stick. I don't do I don't read. I tell the stories. And at the end of my uh, speaking, about 20 minutes, I said, "Are there any questions?" And there's a number of people raised their hands. And one gentleman, about three rows in, I guess he's in his mid to late 50s. He had a scowl on his face. And I, I said, okay, I looked at his name tag. I'll call him Mr. Jones. Can I help you, Mr. Jones? Mr. Blatstein. I said, he was mad at me. I don't know why. I said, you can call me Mark. I'd rather call you Mr. Blatstein. He said, I have a question for you. I said, go ahead. How would you get such a good attitude living with diabetes? And this man was just mad, mad, mad. I said, Mr. Jones, I got my good attitude the same way you got your bad attitude. I worked hard at it. Now, how can I help you work and getting a good attitude? <laughs> when he stopped dead in his track, he says, oh, my God, and I did help him. Because people get overwhelmed with diabetes. They're overwhelmed with it. Their doctors don't help them. The system doesn't help them. They're like in the, in the middle of the ocean without a, in a rowboat without an oar. So tell me, are there, like, coaches around the country, like, with your similar type background that people, you know, with diabetes could contact and – is there an organization that they can look these people up? Or? There, there are. There's an organization that I admire. It's been around for around 25 years, the American Association of Diabetes Educators. There's probably 15,000 uh, uh, certified diabetes educators in the country. Those educators could be nurses, could be doctors, could be um, uh, phys, uh, phys, uh, exercise physiologists, could be all kinds of things, and they are specialists in teaching people with diabetes and helping them. They're an adjunct to the physician. Uh, insurance does not cover that 99% of the time, but these people are very worthwhile seeing. They're all over the country. I think it's AAD, A, the website is aade.org. They're a wonderful organization. I used to be very connected to them. They're, a lot of, they're the unsung heroes of the diabetes community. So anyway, in the Cliff Notes version, can you just give our audience uh, some of the complications of uncontrolled diabetes? Well, if you look at what's going on in the country and slash in the world, and I'll give you a statistic, 
Dr. Smith and Dr. Ron, Dr. Dan, what two countries in the world do you think they, they have the quickest, quickest growing cases of diabetes? Any UK idea? In the, UK and the U.S.? U.S.? No. 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 India and China. Wow. It's overwhelming their systems. Overwhelming wow. their, it's going to crash all these systems down. Because look at the, the volume of people they have there. Uh, what, are, what can be some of the complications of diabetes uncontrolled? Very simply, heart disease, kidney disease, the, uh, 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 retinopathy, eye disease, uh, amputation. Dementia. And dementia. Dementia. Yeah. Well, they say type 3 diabetes is, is, is Alzheimer's. They're finding wow. out that because of overproduction of insulin when you're pre-diabetic. That's, I, this was, case came out five, six years ago, and I read it and I said, oh, my God. I mean, so this, unfortunately, diabetes is at the root of most of the problems in society today. And cancer. I lost a cousin to cancer. She was obese and had type 2 diabetes. And I guarantee it contributed to her cancer. She just passed away last week, one of my best buddies. I'm still sad about it. So you'll find most disease states are connected to the root cause, which is diabetes. And, Mark, do you, do you know, did diabetes exist before we start refining sugar? Sure it did, but, but, it? but it, it, it did exist because if you read back hundreds of years ago, they did bloodletting. They figured if they started the person did bloodletting that they would be cured of their diabetes. Of course, the person didn't live very long. Uh, yes, it's been around, but not like it is today. You know, today it's just, it's outrageous. I mean, well, you know, perfect examples like the American Indian reservations. They, the government has them on a high carbohydrate diet, and their their diabetes rises through the roof. Fifty. I did some work for the American Indians through somebody else many years ago. Over fifty percent of their population has type two diabetes. And now here's another thing that which you guys may not know. I proposed a study about 10 years ago, which I'm going to repropose again to an organization. If you look at the African-American community, the, the Latin American community, and the American Indian community, diabetes is 30 to 50% of their population. Why is that? Refined sugars, rices, beans, they don't have the, health, the access to health care. They don't know what to do. Well, here's a statistic that I'm finding out more and more to be true. If you look at crime in, in the minority communities, I proposed to the Juvenile Justice Center of Philadelphia many years ago. I said, I'd be willing to bet half the crime is because people are walking around with high blood sugars. When your sugar goes high, you get angry. You even get irrational sometimes. You can get irrational. And they looked at me and said, oh, my God, you make sense. And that's being discussed now. And I may be involved in a whole committee with that. Because when your sugar is four, five, six months. Let me just interject. I think the opposite is even is just as true. If you got an overpour, you know, overpouring of insulin, you get hypoglycemic. You can get crazy too. Well, you get crazy when you, you know, pass before out. you pass out. You can get really yeah. angry. <laughs> yeah, you're right. But the hyperglycemia is where I was asked to help this uh, child that shot another kid. A white, a white kid shot a black kid because he's being bullied. And they said to me, "We want you to help to get him out of prison." I said, "I will not." He did the crime. We'll do the time. He had a 650 blood sugar. Now, will I make an excuse that he should get out? No, but I'm telling you, hyperglycemia is the cause of a lot of craziness out there today in the, in, in the uh, minority communities. Guarantee you, guarantee you. So, so theoretically, then, under those circumstances with the holiday season with us, there should be a lot more crazies running around. <laughs> Probably so, but it's That's sad. It's, it's, it's very, very sad, very, very sad. And I've helped all kinds of communities. I work with a lot of African-American bishops. They're, they're, they, these are great guys, and, we just, and I've taught some of their groups. And it's, it's amazing. They're, 
the, in the uh, Latin American community, they call diabetes a sugar devil. They're scared to death of it. So could you just give us a little cliff notes on, like, what type of research is off in the horizon to help improve the lives of people with diabetes? Well, a lot of research is coming from Israel to where they're uh, figuring out a way to implant insulin-producing cells in your body in a sac in the belly somewhere, and you produce insulin without taking what well, you have to take the a hard medication right now, but in time, they'll be able to do that to enclose it in the sac to where the body's immune system can't attack it. And all of a sudden, every couple of years, you get another shot, and you're, you're insulin-free for two years. Uh, there, look, t- there's, there's no magic bullet. The thing of it is is that, first of all, if a person's on insulin, if they're on two shots a day, that, that went out with high-button shoes. Persons should be on four shots a day to kind of mimic what the body needs. And... Um, if they take a medication, most doctors prescribe the wrong medications. They're trying all these different things, and her A1C ceased on the 8 and the 9s. The people I'm going to see this week, her A1C is 11 constantly. And that's, mm. that's an average blood sugar near 300. And uh, it, 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 it's, the, it's not the exception, it's the rule, and it's very, very sad. Are there any specific medications that you found to be uh, terrible and rec- you would recommend not to use? Well, I mean, statin drugs are no good. Statin drugs, some people take them, and it wrecks, it wrecks a lot. It can hurt the kidneys. You know, mm-hmm. if you have diabetes, there's a, like I, my weak link is my kidneys. You know, you, you, statin drugs can do some real damage, and Dr. Smith and Dr. Ron and Dr. Dan, you can tell me more. But there are, yes, there are statin drugs that will wreck you. If you take cortisone shots, your blood sugar is wrecked for a week. And there wow. are many people that get... They have pain in their back or their arm, whatever, and they go and get a cortisone shot in it every three weeks, and their blood sugars are wrecked for a month. Well, what's that do? High blood sugars ruins things even more. It's like syrup in the body. That's crazy. That's yeah, it's disgusting. And, so and they, you know, we've talked about that, Mark. I mean, we've had sh- uh, multiple weeks on statin drugs <laughs> and what it can do to your sugar, and you know, and and for what price? I mean, you're paying a heck of a price for a one or two percent redu- you know, reduction in in uh, per thousand people of heart disease, or it, uh, you pay a heck of a price. Now, Mark, can you give any recommendations on, let's say, some of the supplements that you found to be beneficial? For, uh, well, Doctor Smith. You've helped me with supplements, so I think you can even give them that list, uh, a, a, good, a good fish oil, uh, Q10s, I mean, but not junk. Most people buy junk. They'll go to the supermarket or Sam's Club, and they buy junk. Dr. Smith, you're a better pro with this than I am. Yeah, some well, of the before we go on to supplements, yeah. Mark, have you found an, an association between diabetes and thyroid diseases? And Yeah, they're cousins. Thyroid disease and diabetes are cousins. A lot of people I've talked to, they wind up with thyroid uh, disease. In fact, Dr. Smith told me a number of years ago my thyroid was underproducing, and he gave me some things, and it brought it back to where the level had to be. But the cousin to diabetes is thyroid disease. Absolutely. And that's very prevalent in our society today, too, because of the the chlorine, the fluoride, the bromine, the mercury. It's rampant, too. Absolutely. Absolutely. Yeah. Absolutely, so the, 100%. Yeah, just kind of like a, an overview, zinc is very important of, for the pancreas. Uh, chromium uh, is also very important. Vanadium is very important. And <clears throat> even uh, the herb, the cinnamon, the spice, uh, yeah. it helps yeah. regulate you know, blood sugar. Have you found that to be true, Mark? Uh, with type 2s more than type 1s. Right. 
Type 1s, I don't produce any insulin. Well, technically, I don't produce any insulin. Type 2s produce insulin. Those products help accentuate how the insulin works. Yeah. Wasn't there some research at the University of Pennsylvania where the fellow was working with lettuce or some sort and injecting it, and it was helping the body to produce insulin? Yeah, I don't understand that. That I can't speak about it. I haven't read the full study. But, yeah, there's crazy stuff out there that's they're finding that it works. Yeah. Well, on, on a bad, sad note, I heard that uh, Bill Gates put up the patent on it and shelved it. Are you surprised? Are you surprised? No, not really. Okay. He probably has investments in the pharmaceutical industry for his insulin. Uh, yeah, sure, sure. So anyway, I know you were always talking about some of the athletes and, and some of the uh, – you know, notables in uh, Hollywood that have diabetes, and could you just name a few that you know these people sure. are well, afflicted? Sure. Well, years years ago, I used to have dinner with Mary Tyler Moore. She has type one diabetes. What a sweet lady. John Ratzenberger, Cliffy from Cheers. I I used to hang out with when I went to these conferences. He has two kids with diabetes. Uh, everybody knows Nick Jonas. I don't know him. Uh, Miss America from ten years ago, Nicole Johnson. What a nice lady. Jay Lewenberg from the Chicago Bears. He was one of two people with type 1 diabetes to play in the pro NFL. Jay's a great guy. Uh, Gloria Loring, or her son, is, is Robin Thicke, and Robin Thicke's brother is um, Brendan Thicke, has type 1 diabetes. I've known Gloria for around 25 years. There's a lot of cool people in the, in, in the community that are really out there with their hearts open trying to help. Either they have diabetes or they're connected to people with diabetes. And the peop, that organization, Children with Diabetes, at the conference they have some of these people there, and it's very cool. It's very cool. They're just nice, sweet, wonderful people. So great. Wow. Um, I know you've had some great experiences um, with the, in your diabetic uh, you know, career. Is there any one relationship that it really stands out that um, you could share with the audience? Well, I've been called on to counsel and coach some pretty influential people, some names I can't mention, but one name I will mention. Uh, in 1996, I may have my years wrong, <clears throat> I was called on by the president of the uh, Los Angeles Chapter Juvenile Diabetes Research Foundation. I was vice president at the time. He wanted me to fly out to L.A. to uh, to coach somebody that was a star. And I said, tell me. I, that's when I owned my businesses. I said, I'll be out. He said, come out on Friday. I said, I'll go tickets. He said, we'll buy you tickets. I said, no, I can't take money from a nonprofit. So I bought tickets, and I'm waiting to hear from him. And he says to me on Wednesday, don't come out Friday. He has to, he has to go travel on a tour for a week. Okay. So... Um, the next week, he calls me and he says, I'm going to call. I'm going to give you the exact date you're going to come out. He calls me a day later. He says, you don't have to come out anymore. I said, why? He said he passed away. Oh. Jerry Garcia. Oh. Jerry Garcia wow. heard me speak and wanted me right. to help him. He was so His body was so racked from drugs and, and his, what he did with his type 2 diabetes. And I, I could have helped him. I mean, it, he was ready for that from what I hear from people that knew him real well. I always carried that around. I felt so bad because I, I knew I could have saved him. I could, he could have saved himself. I would have helped him. But I felt so bad for such a long period of time. He didn't have to go. But, you know, did what he did. But uh, the, the real, what would really change my life in diabetes, in 1996 I was sent to Israel to co-chair the first conference in the Middle East on diabetes. And I'm telling you what. It changed my life. It'll be on this on the verbal story on Facebook in, in 30 days. Um, I will never forget as long as I live. 
I took my father with me who had type 2 diabetes. I spoke to audiences that had 1,000 people in it from all over the Middle East uh, that had, were healthcare professionals and people with diabetes with the Schneider Hospital, Children's Hospital in Tel Aviv, and it literally changed my life. And I'll never forget walking through the hospital and seeing all these kids. And in and, and, and the room were two beds. One was a Muslim child and a Jewish child and a Hindu child. And, you know, everybody was just not, all the denominations were there and was one mission of this hospital to help kids that were sick. And I went in and I did my thing in there. And speaking there, and I was interviewed on radio and TV, it changed my life. It literally, 19, March of 96, changed my life. I'll never forget as long as I live. Yeah. Are there any organizations out there that the volunteers, let's say, could help, you know, not only get their, get their level of knowledge up, but, to, you know, to help uh, children with diabetes? Well, I mean, every organization has a, a look, looks for volunteers. Is that what you're asking? I'm sorry. Yeah. Yeah, yeah they, all, the, all, the, all, all organizations, nonprofits, look for volunteers because nonprofits have two shortages, manpower and money. They're always looking. I walked into the Juvenile Diabetes Research Foundation in March of, 90, of 86 and said, I'm here. Put me to work. And the rest is history. Just walked in. I said, I'm, I want to help. I did. Well, Mark, so that's, a, that's really a great story. Uh, Thank this you. This is uh... I, I mean, I know our listeners, uh, I, I see things in the chat room, but you're, you're, you're covering all their questions as I'm monitoring the chat room. But you're, you're, it's, it's just a great story, and it's, it's a really uplifting story. Because, Thank uh, you. you know, uh, my, Jerry and I and Dan, we always have some sayings, and one of it is you can't hang, around, can't hang out with negative people and expect a positive life, and that's, that's what you're doing. You're really uh, positive about this whole thing, and it's really great to hear. Thank you. Uh, is there, you know, is there uh, any positive, uh, real quickly, is there any like positive mental attitude books that you've read that stand out that you think people would be benefit from reading? Well, there's two books out there that oh, I was in one of them last year. It's called My Sweet Life, Successful Men with Diabetes. And there's another one, My Sweet Life, Successful Women with Diabetes. I'm an successful man. And it's all these stories <laughs> of all these people with diabetes that are some are sports figures, some are people just like me, some are, uh, you, you name it. And it's like 20 stories in each book. And they're uplifting because it's a success story. Also, there's another book that was out about four or five years ago called The 50 Secrets of the Longest Living People with Diabetes. And I'll mention there many times, including my cousin who has passed away since she had diabetes 72 years, Marcy Shevsky. And that's a lot of uplifting things that we say. And uh, there are other books but those two I'm the most familiar with because I was involved in that. And uh, I, I still open up these books when I need a kick in the butt if I feel like I'm getting overwhelmed with things, and I read a story. And, wow, that's great. I can do it. So I've trained myself to look at the positive, not the negative. Well, we're going to have to put those on our Facebook page so people, uh, our, you know, our listeners and people that are on Facebook can take a look at those books, Mark. Uh, so hey, I'm going to ask you to, to email me those titles, and I'll, I'll, I'll post them. Okay. Uh, your, okay. You know, just, and you, have, you just sent me an email, so. Yes, 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 yes. Uh, just to be a devil's advocate for a little bit, uh, what do you think about big pharmaceutical companies and diabetes? What do I think? You think they're that? Yeah. Uh, look, without insulin, I'd be, without insulin, I'd be dead. So do I think insulin's been a lifesaver? Yes. 
Uh, do I think that all the oral medications that are du duplicitous out there are necessary? No. Do I think that um, there's new technologies, there's, there's insulin pumps that talk to a glucose meter and register your blood sugar? That's necessary. Yeah, but it's like anything else. I, I think the pharmaceutical companies play a part in some respects, and in another part, people are over-medicated. Just very okay, simply, well, people are over-medicated. That brings me, that, 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 that's the second thing. I was going to ask you about that pulsed electromagnetic field uh, technology. But oh. I, I did want to, and I did want to ask you about the Ad Council, if you know anything about that organization. No, I don't. No, I don't. Okay, the Ad Council, they do all these PSAs for, on behalf of sponsors. And uh, one of the funded, uh, the, one of the people that funds them is the American Diabetes Association. And all told, drug companies paid the ADA $28,454,021 in 2014. I'm not surprised. No, it's just it's a, it's a lot of money. I, you know, I always, you know, they say follow the money. You know, we're, 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 for what reason? Well, yeah, I, I'm, that, not, I'm not a bit surprised. Yeah, yeah, that's the place else to go. Well, yeah. let's go to that electromagnetic field uh, uh, device. What can you okay, tell us about uh, that? Well, the first time I was excited about a medical device was in 1996 when I, dis when I discovered what the insulin pump does. I went on it. I was around the country promoting it through my mail-order pharmacy. I helped thousands of people get on the pump. I also I had a, the, my, the financial end of it was great. I don't do things because of money. I do things because I'm passionate. I, I have passion, and it's my mission. And since the insulin pump, and I have been involved in promoting that for a good number of years, I've been looking for another medical device that can help change lives, including mine. So about eight months ago, a friend of mine says, let's go to a conference in uh, Lancaster, Pennsylvania, on this product called the Beamer. I said, what the hell is the Beamer? He told me. He said it was a device that increases blood flow and oxygen flow by 28% clinically proven. It's been in Europe for 17 years, and now NASA did a contract with them to put in the spacesuits. Well, I'm skeptical anymore. I went to the conference, and it blew the top of my head off. I called a couple of RMD friends of mine. I told them, I said, Mark, we've been looking for something like this. Now, I have a complication of diabetes called gastroparesis, which I don't know if you guys are familiar with. My stomach doesn't empty properly after I eat a meal. So four mornings a week, I'd wake up in the morning. I'd be nauseous and dizzy like a pregnant woman. And, I, you know, after an hour or so, I'm okay. But I really, it really hampered my mornings. I started using this device back in uh, July, late July, early August, and I have no more the symptoms of gastroparesis. Done. Go on after 25 years. Done. No medications, nothing. Also, my uh, double knee replacement, I took my Beamer, it's called a Beamer, into the hospital and the rehab and used it. At first, they weren't happy about that, but they saw how quickly I was responding and healing. So it's, it's the most amazing device I've ever seen. So I got involved in, in promoting this, this product, and uh, it, it's just mind-boggling to me. It's more mind-boggling than the insulin pump because it's for everybody. It's for everybody. There's 45,000 disease states out there. There's nothing it can't help with. Wow. So basically, Mark, you said how can we get, uh, get, can no, we get more yeah, do you have a number that you could put out that people could find more information or a well, website? Well, if they, if, they, if they email me, uh, the, the website, it's Class 1 medical device here, so the website doesn't tell you much until it's a Class 2, which will be February, uh, will then make claims. If they, people, somebody wants to email me at mhblatstein, B-L-A-T, 
S-T-E-I-N, at Comcast.net, or Great Health Forever at Comcast.net. I will send them information. Great. So basically you say it's, it's increasing circulation to the area and, and the other electrical uh, fields that it's creating to help the healing process? It, or? it works on the 72,000 miles of capillaries, and I saw the, the microscopy, it's the $20 million microscopy, which shows the capillaries uh, racing, blood racing through it before and after, before the eight-minute session and after. And I, I've experienced it. I have a friend who has neuropathy. He could hardly walk. He's walking again. I know a couple people with rheumatoid arthritis and other forms of arthritis, their pain levels are way down. I mean, it's just, when you, as you guys know, when you increase circulation and blood flow and oxygen, things improve. And it's not, it's not a panacea. You can't use it for six months and be done with it. I use it every day, the rest of my life. So basically, the, the establishment practitioners, they probably don't have any idea about this technology. They're learning about it. They're learning about it, uh, not rapidly, but they're learning about it. And, there's some, and there's, this device is being used now for some sports teams because it helps with recovery of athletes. Mark, that is, is it an expensive device, Mark? Yes, it, it, it's, it's an expensive device, but I'll, I'll tell you the way I, I, that this woman put it to me. She says, I lost my job three years ago because of my arthritis and I couldn't work. I've lost probably $300,000. She says, I went out and put this one a 0% credit card, and she bought it for $5,995. She's back to work, and almost a dozen people in the last year have come to her, where can I get one? So she not only made her money back, she made money on top of it. And it, it, it sells itself. People are improving and getting their health back. So, yeah, if you look at it just being a cash outlay, how many people are spending $400 a month in copays for medication and doctor visits? I know somebody spending four, five, six hundred dollars a month. Well, guess what? Put that towards this. You know, you're going to improve. You're going to improve. Right. So I, I think you, it's something we have to talk more about and get more yeah, information. Yeah, we can on have you on. We can set up another session for this. You, yeah, you spoke absolutely. about. Uh, I know when we've gotten together in the past about team approach for diabetes. Can you kind of give us a little uh, framework for what who would be part of the team and you know. How would transpire? Well, yes, I, of course I can. I believe, and many people believe, diabetes is a patient-managed illness. But that patient, let, let me ask a question. A pro football team, do they have coaches? Sure. They've got a whole team of coaches. They've got sports, they've got uh, rehab coaches and, and emotional coaches, and, and when a person gets injured, coaches. Well, same thing with, with diabetes. I, uh, we believe that you need your endocrinologist, you're a certified diabetes educator, maybe a health coach involved in that mix. People are there to support and nurture you to get over the hurdles. Diabetes is like running a roller coaster. You hold on for the ups and hold on for the downs. But it's how you handle those ups and downs. Me, I know how to handle it. I just smile and laugh at it and say, all right, in five, ten minutes I'll be fine. Or a half hour I'll be fine. But most people get overwhelmed. A friend of mine wrote a book many years ago, maybe 20 years ago. His name's Dr. Richard Rubin. He's a son with diabetes. He wrote a book called Psyching Out Diabetes. And he said, people with diabetes get diabetes overwhelmedness. We get overwhelmed with it. It's a very challenging disease. And even though I talk about the positive, if you don't take care of your diabetes, somebody asked me, how bad can it be? And this was in front of an audience. They said, well, let's make believe everyone in the audience doesn't take care of their diabetes. It could be like being married to a spouse that rips your heart out every second. 
of every minute, of every hour, of every day, of every month, every year for the rest of your life, and you can't divorce that spouse or you can't fire it. I'm not saying you know marriage is bad. I'm saying marriage is great, but that's what diabetes can be like. And then at work, people said, oh, my God, we didn't look at it that way. You're not, there's no perfect person with diabetes, and there's no perfect diabetes control. That exists in fairy tales. That exists in fairy tales. You, 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 you correct your lows. You correct your highs. You deal with it. You get smacked around. You get up. You smile again. I, I take that same adage when I did Taekwondo and I competed. I get smacked around. I get up again. No big deal. So you know what the one that, and that's the one area we did not talk about. What, how do you coach about exercise? Well, I'm not. An, I'm not the, the the best medicine for people with diabetes is exercise and attitude. There's no better no better medicine. I'm not a certified uh, trainer coach. Go to the gym, get a trainer. You'll learn what you have to. But work out, do something, move. Uh, the other day I walked one mile, first time in three months. No, first time in six months, I should say, because I couldn't walk before properly. First time in six months, I said, yes, I did it. And I'm ahead of the curve in, in healing for my double knee replacement. Sure. I'm going so, back I mean, to my you do boot preach, camp. get your meat off the seat and get moving. Yeah, I'm going back to my boot camp on uh, Thursday or Friday. I'm going to do a modified version. I did boot camp a year and a half ago. I was in great shape, and I had to stop because my legs wouldn't take it. I'm going back. I'm going back to Taekwondo in January. The only limitations we have are the ones we put on ourselves. I refuse. I'm 66 years young. There's no guarantees I'll be here tomorrow. We're here a short time and go on a long time. But I'm not going to waste a day. Jerry knows me. I ain't gonna, I'm not going to waste a day. No way. It's a gift. Well, well you know, that's, that's why just you, great advice. Yeah, Thank I mean, you. you have great motivators. I remember Wayne Dyer, you know, the No Limit person. Uh, I used to listen to that tape years ago. And, um, you know, the key in the equation, I know when I would get down and out uh, every once in a great while, not too often, my, my daughter had great wisdom. She said, Dad, just remember, you were the most active sperm in the whole lot. <laughs> so the key is there's plenty of these good motivators that Tony Robbins had really good programs to get people motivated. Um, you had the uh, Bruce Lipton, you know, the bi- uh, bio- biology of belief. I mean, there's plenty of great motivators. you got to just do it. I mean, my philosophy is if you got a problem, health problem, whatever, go help somebody else who has a bigger problem. Oh you forget God, about your absolutely. own problem. That's right. That's right. Life's an, like I said to that guy, life's an attitude. You choose to have a good one or you choose to have a bad one. I choose to have a good one. And I choose to infect many others with my good attitude. And and I have to interject. He 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 transmits this optimism to his his extended family. He has a beautiful family, and they're all over the place. And and they all love him. He's like a, you know, pop pop, a real pop. I can tell you, it's being <laughs> transmitted to their radio audience right now. Also, we're getting lots of good comments about him. They feel they Thank feel you. the energy. Well, it, 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 I do good karma every day in my life. When I leave this earth, it's only going to be important what I've done for my family, my friends, and the world. Nothing else. Nothing else. And that's I, I not only walk it, I, I not only talk it, I walk it. Yep. They say one of the hardest decisions you make in your life is choosing whether to walk away from a problem or just try harder. You know, just. Uh, I, I I try harder. I don't know. I, maybe I'm too too dumb to know any different, but I try harder. <laughs> 
And, and when, when, you hear, when you hear my story on Facebook, it's about a half hour long. Uh, I, it's it's the, uh, the, the thing I did in the book, The Successful Men with Diabetes. You'll understand. I mean, it's just – I look at I read when I was in the hospital I brought a copy of the book in with me and I was in pain 24/7. Every other day I read the story to give me strength to keep going through this. And I couldn't I couldn't walk, I couldn't dress, I couldn't do anything. But I said I'm going to get through this. I'm going to get through this. One day at a time. Yeah, one day at a time. That's right. Yeah. And that's what people need, you know, they need heroes, they need people that they can relate to and uh you know get good advice. And, you know, like you said, you know, diabetes, you don't have a diet for diabetes. It's a diet for health. And that's what yep. we've been pushing for, for months. You know, wake up, people. Eat clean. Make sure if it's in a cardboard box, eat the cardboard. You'll get fiber out of the deal. But, <laughs> <laughs> and, you know, there's no such thing as, as a bad diabetic. I mean, what, I'll tell you a funny story, and you're going to like to hear this. I, 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 it's, in, it's in the book. When I was diagnosed in 1960, and I figured there was no more cake, candy, and ice cream with a 10-year-old kid. I thought my life was over. Not the fact that I had to take insulin. No more cake, candy, and ice cream. My life is over. The doctor said I can't have it. My mother said I can't. My father said I can't. I said, I'll fix them. So when I got home after I was in the hospital six weeks and three days, why? To this day in Children's Hospital, I'll never know. So I get home. My mother says to me, my grandmother comes over. I'm 10 years old. I, I'm a, I was a rambunctious kid who grew, grew up to be a rambunctious adult with diabetes. And my mother says, I'm going to go downtown. There's a, a, a chocolate store. They make chocolates for diabetics. Wow, that's great, Mom. That's wonderful. She comes home a few hours later, this box of chocolates. She opens it up. The smell was amazing. She says, sit down. The doctor said, you got one piece of chocolate and a little bit of skim milk. Well, I was happier than a pig and dung. I pick up the one piece of chocolate. I put it in my mouth. I bit down on it. The aftertaste lasted a month. It was the worst, disgusting thing. My poor mother was so upset. Wait, then, then she says, oh, we're going to fix this. I said, Mom, no, it's okay. Then she went downtown again, went to a baker that did a diabetic pound cake. Comes back. It smelled amazing. It looked like a pound cake. She cuts a piece off, hit little uh, pizza off with a little glass of um, uh, skim milk. I, 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 I put a piece on the fork. I put my mouth and chew it. I thought my mother was trying to kill me. It was like eating a mouthful of sand. I said, Mom, you're trying to kill me. And I killed that. So what I did, here's what I did as a 10-year-old kid. I said, I'm going to show them. I'd go in the bathroom once in a while. I'd smack my face till it turned red, pour water on my forehead. Mom, I'm low. I need candy. No, you're <laughs> juice. No, candy works better. I got away with it for six months. <laughs> They the use me stuff. at Children's Hospital to tell these stories because I made everybody laugh. It makes me laugh when I tell it. <laughs> but that's back guy, in the prehistoric with days. ADD. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. But right. those are some of the stories that I tell. <laughs> Mark, you know, this hour has flown by, and I and, and thank, thank you so much. But why don't you just uh, – a little synopsis of what you're – philosophy and uh, what a person listening to this program what how they should look at their at their uh, disease and just end it that way well i i firmly believe number one life's an attitude i choose to have a good one diabetes is tough diabetes is overwhelming at times 
Get yourself a support team. Go to your endocrinologist, a certified diabetes educator, a health coach. Go to the hospitals, have support meetings where you can get a lot of support there. And choose to live your life, not let life rule you. And, you know, your attitude with diabetes is, is all-encompassing. It's all-encompassing. The best thing for, to help your is your attitude and exercise. Don't junk up on a lot of simple sugars. You'll find you'll feel better. You'll operate better. And remember, we all have something. Everybody's got something. It's how you deal with it. And I'm telling you, I've lived it. When I was overwhelmed when I was a kid a little bit, I got through it. I had help. I had a coach. I had this, I had that. And I passed it. I paid forward now. But it's your choice. You can choose to be happy or choose to be sad. You can choose to be sick or choose to be well. I choose to be well and happy. Because, you know, for as long as I'm here, I, I want to make the best of it. And you can, too. You, too, can win with your diabetes. Just like I have. Excellent advice, uh, Mark. Mark, I would like to invite you back in the month of February if uh, we find a convenient time. We're going to do an hour and a half show once a week on autoimmune diseases because uh, we, Dr. Jerry and I both feel that our, uh, the immune systems are going rogue. And the way I like to explain it is instead of uh, putting out a candle with a breath, uh, the, your immune system puts it out with a fire extinguisher. And uh, we're going to explore that analogy for a month because uh, this autoimmunity is of 88 diseases uh, right now, and diabetes is, is one of them. So I definitely would I'd like to invite you back uh, to join us. Oh, I'd love program. to. I'm honored. I'm honored. Thank you very much. This is great. Uh, Dr. Jerry, uh, what do you, any, any last things for uh, Mark? Uh, well, basically, I think just being on this show and instilling some positive uh, thoughts and, and direction. Uh, you've done a mitzvah, as they say, in, in, in Yiddish there. It's, and that's what it's all about. You want to make this place a yeah. little bit better than the way you found it. But right. just remember, I always tell people, you know, we come out ahead of this game, whether you have diabetes or heart problems. You're born naked and you die with a suit on, so you're always ahead of the game. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, no pockets. <laughs> Mark, uh, let me just uh, bring Dr. Dan in for a second. Dr. Dan, anything for Mark? Uh, you have the greatest attitude I have ever heard of anyone with a disease like this, Mark. Fantastic. Thank you. I, Thank, I'm flattered. Thank you. You have helped thousands of people today who are listening to this program, I'm sure. That made my day. That's all I, that's all I want to do. I want to pay it forward every day I can. Absolutely what you're doing and uh, you have that positive mental attitude that whatever the mind of man can conceive and believe it can achieve. You're absolutely well put. Thank you. And you really, uh, I don't think I've ever heard anybody as positive as you. You've got Tony Robbins and uh, uh, Wayne Dyer and all these other people beat. I'm flattered. Thank you. I learned a lot myself. You're helping me. Hey, Dr. Dan, (laughs) hey, Dr. Dan, you come up north, and Mark's going to have you walk on those hot coals in a couple of days. (laughs) Yeah, I'm going to tell you, I'll be the photographer, Dan. (laughs) Uh, Man, I don't know if I can take it anymore. You know, it hits 75 down here, and I'm freezing. (laughs) (laughs) It's good. Just wipe yourself on the face, Dr. Dan, and eat some candy. (laughs) (laughs) Mark, Ask you a question. You mentioned yes. intraarticular injections. There are a lot of those being given out these days. Um, do you, you get a lot of absorption from the catalog and so forth that increases the uh, um, blood sugar? I'm sorry. What is this again? Oh, and then the intraarticular intra-artic- shot. 
the intraarticular injections that they're using a lot of today for for arthritis and so forth and knees and elbows. Is uh, there I, a, I, I'm a, not, I, I, I am not familiar with it, unfortunately. I'm sorry. Okay. Uh, yeah, yeah, I, you, I think you are, Mark. He's talking about like if you get a shot of cortisone in your knee for arthritis. Oh, oh yeah, or, yeah, yeah. Oh, it's poison. Yeah. It, it, it's poison. It's no more than poison. Wow. So, so it gets into your system and it elevates your sugar. Oh, it elevates sugar like crazy for probably a week. Wow. I know someone. I know someone. No names mentioned. Uh, mm. Who did shots off and on for around six months? They now have type two diabetes. Their pancreas is shot. No. Not including having stresses on their on their kidney and their liver. In liver, correct, Doctor Smith? Absolutely. Uh, you know, mm-hmm. it's, it, you know, some people, some doctors use it when it's a matter of life and death, but too many doctors use it too much. Mhm. Mhm. Well, I keep that in mind. Uh, if and when we need them. Yeah, I'd like to keep it in mind, Doctor Dan. And and remember our, our, what we talked about prolotherapy. No, no steroids involved in prolotherapy. Right. 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 Keep that in mind. But this has really been informative. F- fantastic today. Thank you. Thank you very much, Mark. D- Dr. Uh, Mark. It's my pleasure, kid me. It's my pleasure. And say hello to Philly, all you guys, for me, will you? Sure. We sure will. I'm saving and a couple buckets of rain for you, Dr. For me. I'm really hurting on that one. <laughs> <laughs> Mark, like thanks a lot again. And uh, we'll, we'll do this again soon. Uh, I know the program is going to be a hit. We're going to get a lot of great feedback. And I think you, you have helped. A lot of people, not only just with your positive attitude, but uh, with all the good information you put out there. So uh, we're going to look forward to having you back and uh, giving you a lot of time. Just to, I think next time we're just going to turn you loose. We're not even going to interrupt. You're too good. <laughs> <laughs> I'm sorry we took up too much time. I apologize. We're going to take, take the, take the, uh, the muzzle off and say go. But, no, uh, you're, you're great. Good. That's fantastic. It was fun. Thank you very much. Well, thank you again. All right, ladies and gentlemen, you've been listening to Mark Gladstein. We have co host here, Dr. Ryan, Dr. Jerry, Dr. Dan, and that's, uh, the audio is not that great today. On the, uh, you're supposed to get a nice applause there, Mark, but it didn't work. <laughs> that was a static, was it? <laughs> yeah, it was that like a static applause. That was, that was EMF. <laughs> that's funny. That's funny. Thank you very much. All right. Well, we'll we'll catch you in January. Thank you so much. We'll be talking before then. I'd like to get some more information on the Beamer, and I know it's not. I just sent it. I just sent it to you on the books. Yeah, I just sent you on the books. Let's talk. Let's talk sometime next week. Let me know when you're available. You and I and Doctor Smith. It's been fun. Thank you very much. I'm flattered. Take care. Great night. Doctor Jerry, Doctor Dan, we're going to wrap this one up. Okay. See you guys. Take care. Good one. See you, everybody. Have a good one. Thanks. Bye. Dr. Ron and Dr. Ron have left the building. Thank you for listening to Rejuvenation Health Radio here on LockedTalkRadio.com. See you next week.